This is a remote dating podcast where we share outlandish dating stories from people who are locked down in love. In season one, Be My Quarantine, we connect people struggling to find romance in quarantine with people who have been doing long distance and virtual dating since long before lockdown, digital nomads. We cover everything from grappling with the long-held beliefs about what a relationship should look like to ruining Tinder for a perfectly nice Scotsman. Yes, one of us really did that. Listen until the end to hear the full story. This is episode six of Dating Abroad. Truly, nomadly, deeply. I'm Ellie. And I'm Kayla. We're your hosts for Dating Abroad, a podcast about unconventional dating stories. This episode is about doing things you never thought you'd do and wondering why you never did them before. Because we've had so many people contacting us with questions about how to cope with going from dating to living together 24-7 during lockdown, we decided we'd structure this episode a little bit differently. In the first half of the episode, we'll talk a bit about our experiences of living with partners while nomading and tell you about two of our listeners, Megan and Jess, who reluctantly moved in with their partners during lockdown, only to realize it was the best possible thing they could have done. For part two of this episode, we'll speak to long-term digital nomad Kit, who's been traveling with her partner for the last 10 years, much longer than either of us have ever managed. She'll talk us through what that looks like and answer our listeners' questions about spending 24-7 with a partner when you've never done it before. But first, it's time for a video call named Desire. In this segment, we give you a little update on our virtual dating escapades over the past week. Okay, so I'll go first. I feel like actually we were talking about, it feels like so long ago that we were talking about community because <laughs> that was on back, back in the old days of episode three. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about how building community might be a better sort of thing to do than just going on the dating apps and hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would, you know, try and actually put that into practice. So I I had a look online for some sort of digital nomad communities and ended up finding some that I hadn't actually heard of that were pretty cool. So I found this community uh, called Nomads Giving Back, which kind of does what it says on the tin. It's about nomads helping the local communities in the place, the places where they're based and anyway so they were doing a sort of community zoom call one day so I hopped on that and it was just it was really fun it was just nice to meet some cool nomads not thinking about it from like a dating perspective and just meeting some cool new people who hopefully I will sort of stay part of that community and that could be something super cool to do in the future once we're out of lockdown and can do things like that again (laughs) (laughs) I do have a bit of a confession, though. Uh, what in my have you done? <laughs> in my hunt for community, I also came across another dating app. <laughs> you didn't. I did, but this one did seem quite cool and different. Mm. So and this one—that's how they all seem at first. <laughs> I know you weren't like the other dating apps. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair. Now that I've tried it out a bit, it doesn't seem much better than the others, but I'll I'll tell you about it anyway. Okay. (laughs) 
because <laughs> it is quite relevant so it's called mm. um it's called fairy trail and it is aimed at digital nomads and remote workers and so in order to match with someone you have to match on not only liking the look of them but wanting to go to some of the same destinations and also what i liked about it ties back to what we were talking about before about how dating apps take up so much time Mm -hmm. with this one you're only allowed to swipe 25 times a day so it it actually can't take up that much time Mm -hmm. um so that was quite cool and they have like a nice community group on facebook where people are kind of like chatting about cool things and sharing interesting articles so it did i don't know it felt slightly different and then i did i did match with someone Mm -hmm. and this also ties in with what we were talking about in episode five the friendship episode Mm -hmm. if you listen to that one you will know that i am obsessed with voice notes and this guy who i matched with on fairy trail has been communicating with me solely through the means of voice notes which is clearly the way to my heart so (laughs) let's see what happens with that right that sounds promising Yeah, I mean, I don't like to get excited about things like this, but (laughs) (laughs) you never know. You never know, but, like, statistically. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That sounds really nice. I'm definitely going to check out Fairy Trail. I like the name of it as well. Yeah. I am very much enjoying not being on the apps. I actually just feel like a weight lifted off of my chest because I've been off of them for over a month now, I think for about five or six weeks. And I just feel so much better about myself in life. I can imagine. Um, But despite being off the apps for that long, I still seem to be like talking to a lot of guys that I had matched with on there and had maybe done one or two calls with and still kind of waiting to see where it goes so i think in episode two it was i said i had a date with a guy and i didn't know if i really liked him or he really annoyed me yeah we had our second date and i have the same feeling (laughs) (laughs) he's so sweet he's such a lovely person but he's such a muggle Uh, we haven't really talked that much like he knows a bit about my lifestyle and was asking me some questions about travel but we haven't really talked about what that actually looks like in practice and what my life is like and I just I'm assuming because we haven't talked about what he's looking for in a relationship either but I don't know what's gonna happen it just seems like he's a very big muggle (laughs) yeah and that really is a barrier isn't it it is yeah if they either don't want to sort of go out on the road with you or can accept that sometimes you'll be out doing your own thing Mm -hmm. then yeah it's gonna be difficult yeah but so one thing that's really been on my mind especially over the last few days but really my entire dating life um so I am still chatting with a few people and we are still doing a few a few video video dates and there's still a bit of talk of potentially doing a social distant date Mm. Uh, but the texting in between these things is driving me a bit mad and (laughs) I don't know if this is a gender thing I don't know if like women do this too or if all guys do this I don't know 
I know all the stereotype was like, oh, women want you to text more and men don't want to text. And like, women just want a good morning text. And, but like, <laughs> I didn't want any of that. Like, I got enough things to do. I don't need to fucking <laughs> respond to your good morning text. Thank you. And I was just very much of the impression that like, if you have something to, interesting or funny or cool to say, then yeah, definitely tell me. But other than that, especially when we're first getting to know each other, save it for in person because I don't think you can get to know someone over text the same way you can. As you would in person, it's more just a way to keep in touch. And my entire dating life, guys, text me, hey, how are you? Hey, how was your day? Uh, like, what are you up to right now? And like, they just want to have like a chat over text. And I would just <laughs> rather not. And I think I often, I have to make it clear, especially if we don't have an, the next date planned, I'll say something like, oh, I'm not a big texter, but like looking forward to like our next date or whatever, something like that. But I don't know. They just keep keep doing that I don't know if I'm just super weird about texting like I don't know if other people really like getting those texts and like having those chats over text because I just I like think- when they're like how was your day I'm like I promise you if something interesting happened I would have told you about it um I don't need to tell you like the details of what I did when we've been on two dates <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I agree with you but I think I think it just shows that you're you're not insecure I think maybe guys have experienced dating girls who like feel like they really need that constant validation and they then think that that's what they're meant to do with everyone I'm not sure yeah I don't know it's hard like I don't know women that like that level of texting or maybe I do I guess it's not been like a big discussion I don't know if I I think another thing for me is like I'm not sure if the men want to have those conversations or they think that's the text that I want to get. Yeah, I think it's more like they feel like that's what they should be doing. Yeah, and that like from a young age, so I always thought that I wasn't romantic at all because I don't like most grand romantic gestures because most grand romantic gestures like feel exactly like that. Like especially getting like flowers or chocolate. Like of course, unless I specifically tell them that I like getting those things, they just feel like oh, you're supposed to be doing it, which makes it not romantic because it's romantic when you like Mm. put thought into something and make it personal based on how well you know the person. Mm. And it's those, hey, how are you texts are the exact same. Like, I think it's meant to be kind of cute. Like, oh, I'm thinking of you. But like, actually, it just shows you don't know me and you don't have any you don't know me oh my god our catchphrases <laughs> which we haven't used since episode one such so a show is that you don't know me you don't know what, I, <laughs> what texts i like to get <laughs> you don't know how i prefer my relationships to progress not via texts which seems like such a common sense thing doesn't it but clearly not and actually I have to say this was something that I quite like about voice note guy because Mm. I took a while to reply to one of his messages and and I said in the next message oh sorry it's been a while and he was like oh no don't apologize I don't mind if you take a few hours or a few days to get back to me and he (laughs) is very much the sending a voice note when something interesting is going on and I I like I'm that fully in support of that I like that for him <laughs> you have one upcoming date with a guy who like we were texting but not too often but then the texting kept going so I kind of had to be like hey I would prefer to just like get to know each other on a call rather than just like text for six months and so we planned the call but yeah I do have one person that I'm talking to that is like doesn't mind if I take a few days and he'll take a few days 
it's so much nicer as well because now I feel like going into the date like I'm excited for it and I want to get to know him Uh, but if it doesn't go well it'll just be like oh too bad whereas the guys that like I'm texting every day if the date doesn't go well it feels like weirder like it feels like more of a loss and that this Mm -hmm. like characters that we had over text have lost something even though it wasn't real yeah (laughs) (laughs) and on that uplifting note (laughs) (laughs) for our main discussion gone with the wi-fi So it seems that a lot of our listeners are struggling with one particular scenario, which is going from dating or being in a new relationship and not living together to suddenly being on top of each other 24-7. So in most cases, it wasn't really something they were talking about for their relationship. But when lockdown happened, they made the dramatic choice to move in together. And I feel like as nomads that we can... We can identify with that because, you know, on the road, if you meet someone you like, you don't really have the option of the conventional path, which is going for a date once a week and then gradually upping that, then maybe deciding you're in a relationship and then eventually moving in together. Um, If you want to keep seeing each other, that probably means traveling together in a strange country where you might not know many people possibly moving in together extremely quickly. My current record is two days. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't go so well. Um, And then once you've moved in together, sort of figuring things out as you go. Yeah, I think that's very common for nomad relationships if you meet on the road and and neither of you have a home base or are staying much longer somewhere. I talked about that a little bit and I don't even remember which episode this was on anymore, but when I talk, talked about the uh, boy that came to Ecuador for me after like two weekends together. I think that was episode two. That was episode two. Gosh, it feels like a million moons like ago. so long ago. <laughs> so I talked a little bit about that. We didn't end up moving in together, actually, when he came to Ecuador, thankfully. But it was it was the same in a sense and that, you know, we made this big life decision together as a couple after having mm. spent in total probably a week together in person (laughs) (laughs) and actually my last serious relationship started in the same way so we met traveling in New Zealand and traveled together only for a week but had a very strong connection and ended up just keeping in touch as pen pals so maybe every couple weeks we were sending each other a pretty long email with just updates about what we were both doing in our travels and everything because we went separate directions, but we were both still nomading and traveling. And then he moved to London and I was thinking about that I didn't want to end my travels. I didn't, I wasn't ready to go back to Canada. I wanted to stay in Europe. And I thought, why not London? I had a couple other friends there, Mm. but I didn't have a job. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have any money. And he was like, oh, well, you just like come crash here. It's no big deal. And Mm. I remember being nervous about it and I remember specifically having with him the conversation of like, I don't want this to be us moving in together. Like I want this to be me crashing while we date and then I'll move out and then maybe we'll move back in. Yeah. Uh, So it was like this weird complicated thing. 
and even though we had had that conversation and kind of agreed that it was only going to work if we were both on the same page, later it turned out he was not on the same page at all. And when I did get a job and I did move out, which was, I don't know, a month later or something, he, and he told me later, he didn't bring this up at the time, which is, I mean, that communication is probably part of, part of the reason that we didn't work out. Um, but he told me later that he was so afraid that I was leaving and that I was going back to Canada and that we weren't going to be together and just had that sense of loss. Uh, whereas for me, I had had that, that anxiety the whole time I was staying with him being like, <laughs> this is such a weird way to start a relationship. We can't just dive into living together. We don't even know mm. each other that well yet. It's too big of a step. Like, I don't want to be fighting about dishes when we're still just getting to know each other sort of thing. Uh, whereas in his mind, he was like, you're the one. So that's just, why are you moving out? It's not a big deal. Like, just stay living here. It's fine. Mm. And that is a scenario that a lot of people have been thrown into during lockdown. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think it's very similar to lockdown where people, especially Megan, who's just been dating her partner for a few weeks, and then they decided to lock down together. And I, I think, yeah, it's quite a similar situation with perhaps a similar decision-making process. Mm. Yeah. So she basically met her boyfriend in Bulgaria less than one month before military lockdown began. <laughs> <laughs> so when it did, they weren't even allowed outside. So the choices were basically move in together or not see each other. Yeah. And she says it was a big challenge, especially for her. She'd never lived with any partner before and they both work online. So they're both nomads. And it was super intense for the beginning of the relationship. <laughs> um, and uh, one fun thing is that it apparently involved him leading webinars from her bed in his underwear uh, which I think is a great takeaway from it. Uh, but it definitely, I'm sure it definitely had its challenges and probably could have gone either way. Yeah, definitely. In the end, though, it did It did seem to be a positive thing. Uh, so she said she was super happy in the end that she had to dive in so hard. She was, she'd been single for most of her life and is super independent. So I think we can relate to that. Mm -hmm. But... She said going through such a dramatic and intense time and having this guy as a support system really opened her up to seeing life as a two-person game. And I think that ties back a bit to our discussion with Angie in episode four. I think most people who become nomads are independent, or at least those who are long-term nomads are very independent and kind of have to be. And uh, keeping when you do enter a relationship, especially as a nomad, when that relationship could end up being 24-7 or could end up being a mixture of 24-7 and 0-7, <laughs> it's, uh, you do really need to think about those things of how can you keep your independence while also enjoying the intimacy and support of being in a relationship. Yeah, it's such a difficult balance to strike. And I feel like no matter, like, even growing older and having learned a lot about this and feeling like I approach these situations from a sort of better and more mature place, it's still so difficult every time to get that balance right. It's so difficult. And in talking about the trajectory of a relationship, it can be really hard to separate those things. So mm. the, the ex that I was talking about in London, we had a bit of a messy breakup uh, where we were on and off for a little bit. And the first time we broke up, 
I really felt that a big part of the problem was that trajectory was that we had had that time living together really early on that kind of pushed our relationship to a place that it wasn't ready to be yet because we didn't have a strong enough foundation. Yeah. Then when we got back together and broke up again, I realized it didn't matter if we had had a stronger foundation, we probably would have broken up anyways because our values were just too different. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I did, I remember very keenly feeling that, that rushed trajectory or that kind of strange beginning had had a negative influence yeah for sure so Megan's situation was super intense but it can actually also be challenging going from being in a slightly longer term relationship to living together particularly if that wasn't how you'd planned your relationship to develop which brings us to our second listener who is freelance journalist Jess So before lockdown, Jess had been in a relationship with her partner for 18 months and she'd never lived with any of her long-term ex-boyfriends before because she really wanted to save living together for marriage. But with lockdown faced with the choice of waiting till marriage maybe to see her partner again, she reluctantly moved in with him for quarantine. But like Megan, she says it's actually been the making of their relationship. Although she did also tell us that it hasn't all been amazing and they have struggled with a few things like uh, keeping the romantic spark alive, which definitely seems to be a theme with our podcast guests. Mm-hmm. So, um, so she said that pretty much everything they used to do as a couple felt exciting because they didn't live together. But then now in this crazy time of closeness, it's hard for things that once felt exciting not to feel a bit mundane. Um, She also said she'd been struggling to make sure they both take care of their own work because they're both freelancers. So now they're working from a flat together, which they'd never done before, which, and I also relate to this, can be (laughs) very distracting. (laughs) Yeah, it can be really hard both living and working together. I think that's a situation a lot of people have been thrown into in lockdown. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've had this as a nomad with a couple Mm -hmm. of past partners who I've lived together with, and it just seems to be one way or the other. Either they keep distracting me when I'm trying to work, or Mm -hmm. I feel like they're working too much and haven't made enough time for me. Yeah. And when it's like that, you kind of, I remember chatting to a friend about this. This was when I'd moved in with a guy after knowing him for three weeks. And then then we moved into a villa together, um, as you do. And I remember talking to a friend about it. And she said that feeling of when you feel like they're working too much and haven't made enough time for you. It's like a series of like low key rejections just throughout the day. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I feel like it's not fun to be on either side because if you feel like you keep get keep getting distracted, maybe once it's cute, but then after that, you're like, I'm actually working on something. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah, if you if you're trying to get their attention and they're so focused, I know partners have said this to me before that like, if I'm working and they come in and talk to me and I kind of am half talking to them and half still looking at the the computer or the piece that I'm working on. And they, they make fun of me because they think it's like funny that I can't take a second to look up, but I'm <laughs> in the middle of something. <laughs> yeah, getting that balance right is not easy. Mm-hmm. So we're going to chat to our nomad expert about all of these topics in the second half of this episode, because I feel like she probably has a lot more wisdom than us to share <laughs> on this topic. Mm-hmm. 
But first, we have a little announcement. We have two patrons! Yay! We are super excited, and we have a little limerick for those two patrons that we're going to read to you at the end of the episode. But that means there are now only three spots left if you want to get our virtual mystery box. So if you are listening now as this comes out, I would recommend getting on that ASAP because those are going to be gone very soon. And this time we actually do know for sure, for real, what's going to be in the mystery box. And, and it's they are really so fun. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I want to get one. I mean, you can. We're going to make it. Oh, yeah. I can actually just make use of all the amazing things that we put in there. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash datingabroad. And a little announcement that we're going to say again at the end of this episode, but just in case you don't make it until the end, for the summer, for the next three months, June, July, August, we are going to be donating all of the Patreon money to bail funds in light of the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that is going on in the States and around the world. So you can become a patron of the podcast, support us, donate to some bail funds, and hopefully after the summer, continue support Thing, the making of this podcast and the uh, tiers start at just one dollar a month and for five or ten dollars a month are our second two tiers the checked bag and the carry-on bag or no wait sorry checked bag and excess baggage and if you are one of those tiers you'll get a lot of behind the scenes footage from content that is too racy to air for the public and some behind the scenes look at our dating lives and our nomad lives monthly soirees where we'll get dressed up in fancy clothes and drink wine so there's lots of fun stuff going on but any tier you choose even the one dollar tier you will get the mystery box So now it's time to meet Kit. She's been a digital nomad for more than a decade, traveling the world with her partner Nick for the entire time. She's also the founder of the Digital Nomad Conference where Kayla and I met. So really, this podcast would not exist without her. Welcome, Kit. It's so good to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for that, Ellie. Oh, that was so sweet. That makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> <laughs> the seven and seven contrast has created life in a way. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's been, you know, when we created that conference, it was because we felt like the digital nomad community needed more community, honestly, mm-hmm. um, especially for women. And to see all the friendships and projects and businesses and relationships and dates that have come out of it is uh, is. One of the more like unexpectedly rewarding bits. Yeah, and we've been talking a lot in the last few episodes about how we want to approach dating differently and focus on building community and just like meeting cool people rather than being on the dark hole of the apps. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, those community things are so important. Um, But back to your story a little bit. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your relationship with Nick, how long you've been together and what it's been like to travel the world together as a couple. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Nick and I have been together for uh, over 18 years, or about 18 years, wow. somewhere in there. Honestly, once you get past 10, it's hard to keep track. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, I know it's a really long time. We um, started dating when we were both quite young and we've been together ever since. And so through university, and then we made our first big move when we moved in together to LA. Before that, we had been long distance because we went to universities in different parts of the US. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we moved in together in Los Angeles for a few years. And then we became nomads. And we've been nomads for 11 years. 
Um, we're what a lot of, I know other nomads call a 24 seven couple. You know, you, mm-hmm. you are just always together. You're working and the person's right there. You're sleeping and the person's there. You're <laughs> eating together with the person. And um, honestly, I, I love it. So that, that has been really wonderful. Um, but we, we don't work together for our primary businesses. Um, mm-hmm. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a social media consultant and he's a software developer. Um, so most of the time when we're working, we can be found, you know, quietly with headphones in working separately. Um, although we do run the seven and seven conference together with a co-founder, Kiri. Um, and so that's been a whole extra adventure uh, because working with a partner is very, very different from just living together mm-hmm. and traveling together. <laughs> For sure. So you've been through so many transitions, like life transitions and changes as a couple. And the interview that we had earlier was talking about how they had never expected to move in together at this time. And they made the choice to do that because of quarantine. Do you maybe want to tell us a little bit about as you were navigating those transitions, especially from going from, uh, I assume, living kind of normal life together, having your own jobs, your own friends, being out of the house a lot to making that decision to become nomads and be 24-7 nomads? Yeah. Well, honestly, for me, I I, I don't, (laughs) you were implying a lot more thought went into it than did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At the time in 2009, I had already started uh, my own business. So I was working from home. I had been working from home for only maybe four months before we started our nomad journey. And, And Nick's job, his company got bought by a bigger company, as often happens with startups, and they fired everyone. And so while everyone else was mourning that, I was thrilled. <laughs> I All we wanted to do was travel. And, you know, Americans only get a paltry two weeks a year. And it's pathetic. And it was not enough. So I was like, okay, one-way tickets. Here we go. Put stuff in storage. Let's get on a plane. Um, and it was, <laughs> we, we did not think beyond that. We didn't really think, you know, we thought, okay, we'll go until we have no more money. Um, but of course, we discovered that you can actually make money while being in other countries. So voila, 11 years later, nothing has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I think we didn't really think it through. But I was also so thrilled to be able to spend more time together. Mm-hmm. Like that has been a huge, huge perk of this lifestyle for us is that, you know, when we lived in LA, you're absolutely right, Kayla. We, um, I had, a, you know, we both had nine to five jobs, which of course, we're more like nine to eight dogs. <laughs> and, you know, you barely see, you like get home, have a quick dinner, watch a TV show, go to sleep and do it all again. All you have is the weekends. And then you have to like run errands and do other, like it was, I remember just being so frustrated. I was like, this cannot be our life. You know, only seeing each other a little bit because we had been long distance for four years. Like, wow. Uh, where he was in Atlanta, I was in DC, you know, we spent summers together and stuff because we were in university, but mm-hmm. it was, it was not, I was just so frustrated with the state of things when we lived in Los Angeles with two full-time jobs. So for me, it was so wonderful to, to have more time together, to spend much more quality time and less stress time with the person that you love, with the person who's your partner for life. So for me, it was just fantastic. Not to say that there are not also downsides, but I'm sure we will get to. <laughs> well, that's honestly, that's probably the next question. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so sorry to uh, <laughs> put a downer on that. Um, yeah. But what what would you say are the the downsides to being together twenty four seven? Yeah, uh, you know, trying not to kill each other is definitely <laughs> up there. Um, you know, tr- I think you know how we always say like with with nomads, especially we sort of jump into friendships quickly. You know, Ellie, you and I haven't known each other that long, but you know, I feel like we're we're closer than I would have been to someone I'd only known for less than a year back when I lived in Los Angeles. Yeah, absolutely. We kind of do things hard and fast. And I think, you know, and and it's always been said, if you want to know how you, if you're compatible with someone, travel together. So nomad life is like all that on steroids, you know, and it's, (laughs) so you learn a lot about the other person quickly, the good things and the bad things. (laughs) So you have to probably be a little more flexible on like, you know, giving each other space. Like if you learn that they're like a grump in the morning or like, if they don't have a, you know, afternoon coffee or afternoon walk or something that like you're going to have an argument later because they were stressed out. Like there's, there's so much that you probably have to pay a lot more attention to than you would if you were a normal couple who only saw each other a few hours a day on the weekdays. So yeah, you have to be a lot more attuned to the person. So I, I guess I'm saying there's more work involved mm-hmm. I think, in the relationship. And I think for, you know, we've all seen nomad couples for whom that didn't work. And you find out pretty quick that actually this is not the life partner for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it works, it's, it can be really wonderful. And you really, really know that person, you know. And mm-hmm. I mean, once they've seen you, you know, barfing and pooping at the same time because you ate some bad food in <laughs> Egypt or something, like, you know, you are, that is, you know, an intimacy on a whole different level. <laughs> I like how you're bringing up all these things. It's like, oh, if for instance, this might have happened and I'm just reading all of that as like this happened. To oh, it 100%. Yeah. Not just then. That is a multi, that has happened more than once. <laughs> I mean, when you get food poisoning together at the same time and there's only Ooh. one bathroom, that's, that's closeness. That's closeness right there. <laughs> So I think that leads really well into our next question is after a decade of this, how, what ways have you found to cope with all of this intense time together? And would you have any advice for people who are living together maybe for the first time um, with this current partner or with any partner and it's lockdown? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost, those are two things, you know, that's, that's like, if you are just moving, like moving in together is freaking huge. That is a massive step. Mm-hmm. And then also you have the stress of lockdown and isolation and coronavirus. And can you even go to the store? And so it's, it's like, this is, this is a very intense time to be having this experience because, you know, just moving in together is a big freaking deal. So, I mean, I think my advice for coping with that, with, just the moving in as well as 24 seven coupling as well as lockdown it's like make sure you have stuff to do that doesn't involve each other obviously that's harder when you can't really leave the house much but like having a hobby that is yours you know if you feel safe going for walks around your neighborhood without the other person while like listening to a great book or a podcast like having chats with friends alone even if they're your joint couple friends like don't have all your chats as couple chats, you know, having one-on-one chats with friends, like you, you still have separate social lives, even if those social lives are taking place in like the same apartment. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, and then when you like get back together for dinner, you know, you have something to discuss about like a podcast you would do or something, a book your friend recommended or something that you still have things to discuss that are new, even when nothing is changing about your surroundings. And I think that helps a lot with not kind of getting sick of the other person and not just like talking about work or whatever you did, you know, did that day. It's like, you can still have a social life, even, even in lockdown. And you absolutely should have a social life outside of just your partner. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, one of the other questions that we had for you about this time of isolation is how, sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum, to keep the romantic side of things sparking. Um, is there anything that you guys have sort of put the effort in to do to keep things fun? Yeah, I mean, that having fun right now is definitely a challenge. I'm going like <laughs> it, it's you know, and, and I am no expert, you know, <laughs> I've been with one person my whole adult life. So like, I'm certainly not an expert, but it's, I would definitely say like, don't put so much pressure on it right now for this time, because there's so much else going on. Like if you aren't able to focus on your partner or your love life in the way you want to, just as if you weren't able to focus on work, like that's okay. It's, this is temporary. But I think that, you know, part of like part of this is the isolation but part of it also is when you move in together and you've been together for a little while like some of the novelty is wearing off a little bit like we who doesn't love that early feeling of a relationship right everything's exciting at a certain point this person is not exciting anymore like that is just going to happen you know it's not like oh my gosh they're there and like it doesn't it's you can absolutely have that but it's different it's kind of a deeper quieter sort of excitement if that makes sense um but i mean I, I think like practical tips this might like too much information but i remember in those early days of living together like a few fun bedroom outfits go a long way <laughs> like, get your ass to some of those websites online shop, you know shopping is still available get yourself a sexy outfit it just you know that's how you can bring a little novelty very easily in and i think you know radical honesty you know just talking about how you're feeling is for me like that's the best thing about my relationship in all aspects of it just radical honesty just don't you know hide anything if you're feeling something just let it pour out because that's what your partner is there for is to kind of be the other half to receive those emotions and then you know mirror them back to you and then you know check out people like you know Esther Perel she's a Belgian um, sex therapist. She has like online courses for couples on like rekindling romance. And there's even a book she wrote called um, Mating in Captivity, which is not about mating in isolation, but it could be. Um, so, you know, there's so many resources out there if you really are struggling with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Esther Perel. That's so good. That's such great advice about just being honest and opening up. Because I think when you're with someone every day, you can sometimes forget about some of that deeper intimacy and by opening up about something even if it's something kind of small yeah. and seeing your partner react in a loving caring way can really rebuild that intimacy absolutely and you know using I mean we're all binge watching tons of tv shows right now right like mm -hmm. you know pick a show that either you know someone's kind of mirroring your feelings or that's really kind of sexy and, and like say like oh what do you think about that you know use if you are feel awkward about starting conversations you know, use like the shows you're already binge watching to get you started. 
That's such a smart idea. Hmm. Yeah. It's like Inception. Next Inception. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, so funny. I hope we were watching. What a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> so to bring it back a little bit to work, because as, as nomads traveling and living together, you're probably often sharing workspaces as well. So how do you make sure that you both take care of your own work and not get distracted by each other when you're sharing a workspace? Yeah, totally. I find this question so interesting because I, you know, where are we not in lockdown? I'm definitely someone who likes to be, I love to work, you know, in, in all sorts of different spaces, like cafes or whatever. So um, I'm pretty good at just, you know, I'm like the, my partner's not any more distracting than like the crying baby next to me in the cafe, but I do get what this question is saying. You know, it's like, it can be, I think it can also be so easy to sort of forget that, you know, like if, if I'm working and I'm like, okay, I'm ready for a break, just turning and talking to the other person without kind of acknowledging that maybe they're not ready for a break. Um, I find that, you know, joint calendars, very helpful. Um, you know, being able to see what the other person has on, like I, we each, I can see his calendar and we have a joint calendar um, and like kind of planning out the day together. So either the night before or in the morning, you know, saying like, what kind of day do you have? you know, what's going on. So like, you know, if you can say, Hey, it's 3 PM, let's go for a walk. Or if it's like a, I'm working till 8 PM, don't talk to me kind of day, you know, (laughs) you have both and and you never really know. So it's good to kind of check in um, to kind of see where they're at. So, you know, cause I have definitely made the mistake of like all of a sudden, you know, just talking Nick's ear off in the middle of the day. And he's like slowly getting more and more frustrated because he, <laughs> he was like in the middle of something. And it's like, yeah, oh, right. You know, so just knowing when to give each other space. And like, for instance, I don't, I know, like Nick and I, we just don't talk that much in the morning because he likes to kind of have a quiet focus morning. It's when he's kind of getting his day together. And that works perfectly for me because I'm the opposite. I like lazy sleeping in, looking at social media on my bed, like maybe even responding to emails from bed before I get up. So like, Mornings are sort of, we're separate. And then we kind of come together at lunchtime to sort of be like, okay, what, what about the rest of the day? How much work do you have left? Do you want to go out? Do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to watch a movie tonight? Whatever. And, and sort of that's, that's how we work. But you know, that's, that's been honed over years of noticing that like, if I talk to him before 10 a.m., it doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> I identify with that a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, those are great practical tips and maybe something that couples could think about trying to start putting in earlier rather than later so that it yeah. maybe doesn't take them so long to hone exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. And invest in good headphones. You know, honestly, mm. that is the number one. People are like, how do you do it? I'm like, headphones. Like, headphones, <laughs> in. headphones in means like, don't talk to me. Like headphones in is like, I'm doing stuff. So like, don't interrupt or like, you know, wave a hand and be like, thumbs up, thumbs down. Like, can we talk? You know, it's like, cause then yeah. it's, it's just headphones are, are golden. They're everything. It's how, like, even if you're a single nomad, you know this, like headphones help you get through the world without getting distracted by everything that's going on. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Are, totally. are the best tool you can possibly have to save your relationship I swear. <laughs> we will be quoting you on that for sure I'm already picturing the social media post about that 
<laughs> yeah, because then I can be like blasting Lady Gaga, you know, dancing around the room while he's like quietly focusing, you know, <laughs> on coding and, and it's cool. <laughs> I'm picturing that moment now and I love it. This yeah. is a daily occurrence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it so much. All right. Well, is there anything else that you feel like you want to share about what your life is like or tips for people who are newly 24-7, not nomad couples, but 24-7 lockdown couples? Yeah. I mean, honestly, be kind to yourself and to your partner, like especially right now. This is true for any time, but especially right now, like we all have so much that we're processing day to day and so many other stressors that are unusual that sometimes you know like people might be a little more snippy or not be at their best self and that's fine like and that it's also beautiful because you know getting to a place where you can support each other even in the bad times like even in the really hard dark times it's that's such a great solid foundation for when times are good you know and that's and making plans together for what you will do, whether it's next month or two years from now, whenever this freaking ends, you know, like it's, that is how you can keep a lot of excitement going and, you know, just getting, you know, reveling in, even if they're annoying the shit out of you today, like tomorrow you might be just so happy that you're being, you're able to spend morning and afternoons with this person that you love. Oh, that's so lovely. And a really nice way to wrap up the interview. So thank thank you so much, Kit, for coming on. It's been so nice to chat to you. It's been lovely. Thank you both so much. This is just, I'm so proud of you. This is such a wonderful podcast and I'm I'm in love with it already. (laughs) And actually, we forgot to mention this in the intro, but Kit was the one that told me about the Zoom filter trick. And that's been one of our most popular tips. Oh, yeah. Our listeners are loving that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? Because who wants to bother, like, putting on makeup during lockdown? Mm-hmm. Fucking no one. So, like, yeah, the Zoom filter is so good. <laughs> I think that's a perfect time to move on to our next segment, the Scarlet Text, uh, because I have chosen a poem today by a... Black author Sonia Sanchez. It's a really beautiful poem, and I'm just going to read it out to you so you don't have to go find it. Uh, And I like the idea of ending this podcast with a little poem. So the poem is called Haiku and Tenka for Harriet Tubman. Picture a woman riding thunder on the legs of slavery. Picture her kissing, our spines saying no to the eyes of slavery. Picture her rotating the earth into a shape of lives becoming. Picture her leaning into the eyes of our birth clouds. Picture this woman saying no to the constant, yes of slavery. Picture a woman jumping rivers her, legs inhaling moons. Picture her ripe with seasons of legs running. Picture her tasting the secret corners of woods. Picture her saying, you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Imagine her words. Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Imagine her saying, I freed a thousand slaves, could have freed a thousand more if they only knew they were slaves. Imagine her humming, how many days we got before we taste freedom. Imagine a woman asking, how many workers for this freedom quilt? 
picture her saying, a live runaway could do great harm by going back, but a dead runaway could tell no secrets. Picture the daylight, bringing her to woods full of birth moons. Picture John Brown shaking her hands three times saying, General Tubman, General Tubman, General Tubman. Picture her words, there's two things I got, a right to death or liberty. Picture her saying no to a play called Uncle Tom's Cabin. I am the real thing. Picture a black woman, could not read or write, trailing freedom refrains. Picture her face, turning southward, walking down a southern word. Picture this woman, freedom bound, tasting a people's preserved breath. Picture this woman of royalty, wearing a crown of morning air. Picture her walking, running, reviving a country's breath. Picture black voices, leaving behind lost tongues. That was so beautiful. And I feel like I can't follow that with a story about Tinder. (laughs) So instead, what we're going to do is record the Tinder story and our $1 patrons will be able to listen to it and we will donate all the proceeds to the bail fund that we decide to choose. Next week. (laughs) This also sounds weird to say. (laughs) Also... Completely inappropriately, next week our episode is called Sonnet 69, and we're just going to let you imagine uh, what that episode is going to be about, but definitely tune in because it's, it's going to be a good one. If you do have a wild dating story, you can send us an email to datingabroadnomads at gmail.com, or if you want to set one of us up on a virtual date, we'd be up for that too. We may or may not include clips of it for our patrons. That's right. You can also become a patron of the podcast at patreon.com forward slash dating abroad, where our tiers are named just as wittily as our segments. Benefits start from just $1 a month and range from bonus content too racy to air to monthly soirees and a coaching call with one of us about digital nomad life. We are now super excited to have two amazing patrons, Lucy and Abigail. And because we got so excited, we're going to do a limerick about them. There once was a girl from Toronto who became our patron pronto. She was joined by a nomad who is definitely not a bromad. And will all be a family like the Sopranos. (laughs) So that is our little limerick. If you do become a patron... Of any tier, we have three spots left to get into the mystery box. And just as a reminder, over the next three months for June, July, and August, all proceeds are going to be going to a bail fund. So any support is very much appreciated. We always love your support, but especially now. Music is by the lovely Lee Trong. Visit her website at leetrong.bandcamp.com. And our gorgeous logo is by Samina, who's on Instagram at Samina Scribbles. We are also on Instagram at dating underscore a underscore broad, and you can find us on Facebook at Dating Abroad Nomads. As always, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>